A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'll start with a trigger warning. The topics we're going to be discussing on today's episode centre around addiction, including people having suicidal thoughts and struggling with their mental health. As you'd expect, we've signposted some places that listeners can get support for these issues in today's show notes. In 2016 was our first crypto addict, yeah? And he had made £750,000 on Bitcoin. That's Tony Marini. He treats people with addiction. And lately, lots of the people coming into the centre where he works aren't just there for alcohol or for drugs. They're addicted to trading crypto. Now, where that took him to was getting addicted to painkillers, alcohol, cocaine, sex. And it took him to back to his normal gambling and lost one and a half million pounds altogether. That is where the crypto took him into everything, almost dying, having seizures. That's where it took him to, and that's the reality. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. The case that you just heard Tony Marini speak about raises a big question for the government. Should crypto trading be regulated by the gambling authority or by financial services regulations. Well, a group of UK MPs have put forward a motion for it to be regulated as gambling. And in today's episode, we'll be asking if that is indeed the way forward and what that might mean for your crypto investments. So the FT's digital assets reporter Scott Cipollina and our producer Persis Love travelled to a rehab centre where they are treating people for crypto addiction. Scott joins me now in the FT studio. Hi, Scott. Hi, Claire. How are you? Well, where do we start? Rehab, where they treat crypto addiction. What's going on here? Yeah, well, as as you said at the top of the podcast, Claire, there is a bit of a conversation that is being had right now in the UK about whether or not the crypto industry should be regulated as a traditional financial service or as a form of gambling. Mm. And then just about a month ago or so now, there was a cross-party group in of politicians in the UK, as you mentioned as well, that suggested, in fact, this stuff should be treated as gambling. Um, And the authors of of that report suggested that it it effectively isn't a legitimate financial service. It's something that should just be considered, you know, on par with other forms of gambling. Um, So with that being the sort of broader context for the story, um, I wanted to go up to Edinburgh to a clinic that's called Castle Craig, 
And, you know, the clinic, as you mentioned as well, treats folks that struggle with all forms of addiction. But over recent years, there's been a, a significant uptick in people that have gone through its doors struggling with crypto trading. Mm. Now, I'll ask you more about the regulation side of things later. But first, Scott, tell me about the Castle Craig Centre. What was it like? So it was a good 40 minutes outside of um, Edinburgh. And it was this you know, grand um, idyllic setting um, in the Scottish countryside, uh, very secluded, this 18th century, uh, you know, residential centre with alpacas in the hills in the distance. It sort of reminded me when, um, if anyone listening has watched the show Traitors before, um, it kind of looked like that. Maybe if he has a door. Um, You walk in and, and it's what you would expect really from an 18th century residential home other than the fact that you're struck immediately by the fact that there are, you know, patients living there that are really struggling, that are, you know, some of them are at the very lowest point in their life. So it's a um, residential centre. Yeah, it's, it's a residential centre, yeah. People stay there for, on average, about six weeks, but some folks stay there for a lot longer, potentially even six months or so. And on average, there's about 70-odd folks that are being treated for all kinds of addiction at the centre. And what kind of treatment goes on? So one of the highlights, I, for want of a better phrase, for the trip uh, was being allowed to sit in on a group therapy session. We're going to look at the gambling and the crypto and the difference between the And in that session, the folks that were in in the room with us, um, you know, they, they sort of bared their soul in a sense. Like, I don't want to sound too dramatic, but they, they were really transparent with their emotions, with their feelings, with their really personal struggles. And again, they told us about how trading crypto had, you know, fueled some of their addictive behaviors and had taken All right, so, so much from them. Start. So we'll just start as normal. Uh, my name's Tony. I'm a compulsive gambler, addict and therapist. Uh, So, you know, we headed into the group therapy session in this grand uh, drawing room. The windows were open. It was a gorgeous day. Uh, You could hear the birds chirping outside and and it was very easy to get distracted again by the by the environment. But, you know, immediately you were brought back down to earth. Effectively, you had a group of eight to ten patients who had had gone through some of the lowest points in their life and were really struggling. Oh, so yes, uh, so uh, hi, uh, my name is Scott. Um, I'm a reporter with the Financial Times. Thanks again for having me. Excellent. So welcome, everybody. Were there any moments during those group therapy sessions that really stood out to you? Yeah, it was a story of one uh, patient in particular. He was about 30 years old, you know, a, a big guy who looked like he was, you know, really into the gym, worked out a lot. Uh, his name, much like the rest of the patients, isn't going to be used for confidentiality reasons. And he spoke with particular clarity about the struggles of addiction to crypto trading. So I was an alcoholic maybe for about, for, I've been an alcoholic for about 10 years now. I had a brief spell of sobriety for three months where I hit rock bottom um, when I had, had to be rescued by 999 because I was choking on my own blood and vomit after a big night out. During that period of time, I went to AA managed to get sober during that three months. I just had such a big hold in my life where I was drinking so much that I was just trying to do everything and everything possible. So I was going to gym loads. Well, I also got into crypto, cryptocurrency trading and just trading on the markets in general because it's just so easy to do. Like you just download the, the apps and you just chuck a load of money in there and you just play around with it. And um, 
at the time it was just like really interesting because I had a sober mind for once and I was just like, oh my God, I've got a sober mind. I can do so much with my life now. I was like, oh my God, I can do research this, I can research that. I was just reading online, like going deep into Reddit and going deep into like Twitter and trying to find out as much information as possible. Mostly absolute bollocks. Um, and then I just put, I was just dishing out cash into different places and made a bit of money, got that high, that like that adrenaline that you get with it. And, um, and of course I just lost, you know, as most people do, we lose it all. And um, then we're left with like that, that guilt and that shame that you get. At this point, Tony replied, he's the therapist leading the session. And did that, you know, losing all of that money, get, having all of, you know, that difficult emotion, the feelings, did that take you back to exactly. alcohol? Yeah, it's exact same. Okay. I felt the exact same feelings. And again, you get the denial as well. The yeah. denial crept in. I was like, oh, I'm just not good enough at this game. There are people better than me that are doing this. I just, they've been doing it for longer. They've been doing it. They've just, they've done the tricks and the trick and the, and the, the terminology is better than I do. And, um, so you just keep on doing it. And it's the same cycle of denial, same guilt, same shame, same denial. Your, your emotions are so attached to like what the graph is doing any yeah. one day. And especially with crypto, it's just like, it's 24 seven. Uh -huh. Like, so you're losing sleep over it. I'll be checking my phone at like 3 a.m. Yeah. It's like, is it going up today? Oh my God, what yeah. is, is it going to go, what's the next six hours going to look like? And you, you lose sleep over it and it just it absolutely wrecks you. Um, yeah. So that's why I just, I stopped doing crypto and worked on the normal trades. It's, it's, it's a full time job. Mm -hmm. It is a good time job gambling, playing crypto, research, all of that. So much time. Probably about eight hours a day, every day, seven days a week. Just on Reddit, reading about it, reading white papers, reading everything I could about it, just so I could make a more intellectual decision <laughs> about where I was going to shove three, four grand. Yeah. You know, it was just ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. Like, what an absolute wisdom. That was time I could have spent on my relationships, mm -hmm. time I could have spent with my family, time I could have spent with my friends, time that better energy that I could have spent doing better things that would have given me more fulfillment in my life, but I completely wasted. Wow. Wasted my money and wasted my time and effort that would have given me more fulfillment and value. Scott, listening to the story of that crypto addict, what does his case tell us about the nature of, of crypto addiction? I found it very interesting that of the 300 or so people that Castle Craig have, has treated um, over the years, the vast majority of them are men. Um, and that's not to say that women couldn't become addicted to trading crypto, uh, but for gambling, the percentage is about 85 to 90%. So that's a really significant uh, dynamic, I think, that's at play here. And another thing that I would like to add is that, you know, we hear so often from folks in the UK about how there is this need to establish London as this hub for crypto innovation. Uh, and that's not unique to the UK. It happens um, in, in many other jurisdictions around the world where people are eager to sort of embrace this new technological innovation that is crypto. And effectively, no attention is being paid to this as a mental health crisis and to folks like the patient that we've just listened to, um, the stories that they have to tell and the struggles that they've been through. And I think that, that that's tragic. That's just awful. The patient that we heard from earlier said that his addiction started out as alcoholism. Is it common, Scott, that crypto addicts also get addicted to other things? Yeah, so it's it's kind of like a, a two-way street, right? So yes, alcohol and, and other forms of addiction can fuel a crypto addiction, but then a crypto addiction can, you know, bring them back to, you know, maybe pre-existing addiction. So say you lose a lot of money, mm. uh, patients would say that then, you know, they would turn back to alcohol, they would turn to drugs, 
And even if their crypto bets would work out, at least in the short term, if they made a bunch of money, there'd be a sense of celebration. Be like, right, well, I've got another 300 quid in my back pocket for this Friday. I, I can go and spend that on whatever it might be. With all of the addicts that you spoke to at the centre, what stuck with you in terms of how they got addicted to, to crypto? What is it about crypto that makes it a problem for people? I think the fact that it's... It's kind of really gamified. The crypto markets trade 24-7. You can buy Bitcoin at 4 a.m. on a Sunday and no one is going to stop you. You know, it's it's constantly accessible to some folks and it's particularly volatile, unlike some other traditional markets, um, which means that people that are predisposed to addictive behavior are going to are going to find a lot of appeal in in those 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 sort of facets of crypto. Um, one thing that stuck that stood out to me when I was at Castle Craig was one of the patients said whenever he saw green, i.e. the little sort of green tick on an exchange website that showed that his investment was going up rather than down when it would be red, he said, whenever I saw the green, I knew I was in the money. I'm in the money, I'm in the money, and that definitely made me want to keep going because it was like, oh, this is profitable, this is profitable, yeah, it's green, it's green, idea, it? it's green, it's profitable. And that, that and I knew from then, like, that was definitely an urge for me because I knew, it, it just knowing that it was it was working was enough to make him go right okay there's something interesting about this right I need to keep on keep on the ball with this yeah. it makes you think that you're good at it as well yeah oh, I've, no, done it, I've done it right I've yeah. done it right it's but working you have no clue what you're doing no absolutely not you no. like well I think I'm good at this I've obviously researched enough yeah. I've spent enough hours oh, of my life researching and it just sort of created this snowball effect so I would say that that is what makes um, crypto sort of uniquely um, risky in terms of getting addicted to it um, because it, it is so gamified and it's a 24-7 thing that it really does allow people to just get consumed. There are no limits. Yeah. So I also uh, got to sit down with the lead therapist, Tony, uh, and he told me why he decided to start treating crypto as an addiction. My name's Tony Marini. I work at Castle Craig. I'm a senior specialist therapist. Um, I am a recovering alcoholic, compulsive gambler and cocaine addict. Tony's been working at Castle Craig for the past 10 years. He trained to be a therapist after he actually went into recovery from his own addictions. Could you tell me a little bit more about, you know, the, the, the pattern that you've perceived, right, between people that have been addicted to crypto trading and people that have got addictions to traditional gambling, sports betting, maybe something like that? In our brain, we have, like, the pleasure-seeking part of our brain, okay, and that's at the front part. And what happens is that the adrenaline, the endorphins, and the dopamine start to fill that up, and we want more. Now, if you're seeing that green marker, and you're thinking, God, you know what, I'm making money here, you, you produce more and more of the endorphins and the dopamine, and we want more and more of it. If we get the red, yeah, so we're losing money, we still produce that, but we need to chase it. We need to chase and say, right, okay, I've lost this, but I need to get that money back. And we start producing the same. So it doesn't matter if you're winning or losing. We want to do it more and more and more. Tony says a gambling addiction takes a toll on people's finances, their mental health, and their relationships. And he says the exact same struggles appear with folks that are addicted to crypto trading. It's exactly the same as gambling. Relationships start to drift away late for meetings, social anxiety, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-worth is largely put down. But once we cross that line into the desperation, 
the complete dependency of that use, whether it be crypto or gambling. It takes us into the uh, inability to identify real life for what's fake out there, the suicidal ideation. You know, I don't feel worth it. You know, the world would be better, a better place without me. Self-harm, we're starting to see a lot more of that coming in. What do you think gambling regulation being applied to, to crypto could actually mean for both the industry and investors? So I think if if crypto was regulated chiefly as a form of gambling, it would likely mean the whole 24-7 nature of crypto trading would take a significant knock. At least here in the UK, folks that are providing that kind of crypto trading service to UK customers, they would effectively need to provide sort of bet limits mm. for people trading in crypto the same way that you know we see in sports betting or other forms of gambling that's overseen in the UK. And that, again, is quite anathema to the you know, the argument for crypto in the first place. This is 24-7. It's totally up to you what you do with your money and it's total unfettered financial freedom. So I think that is something that would change. Um, there would be, I would also say, a much heavier emphasis on consumer harm. And again, to be fair, the FCA have repeatedly said for years now that if folks were to invest in crypto, they should be prepared, prepared to, lose. to lose all their money. Um, but let's be honest, how many, how many people... You know, ordinary people on the street are reading FCA warnings about crypto. Mm. I would hazard to guess not very many. Um, so I think if this was overseen as a form of gambling, the idea that consumers are at risk, and not just financially, but in terms of their mental health and, and well-being, that would be at the forefront of people's minds and it would be much clearer and much more clearly understood in the public. And then, of course, whenever you see adverts on TV for gambling, whether it's sports betting or online casinos, there are always helplines um, and websites which are advertised at the same time for people who do have a problem with gambling to, to get help. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, it, it, you've reminded me of somebody else that I spoke to for this story who deal with folks that struggle with all forms of addiction as well. And they told us, you know, they don't see very many people that come through their doors addicted to crypto. And they were wondering why that was. And they said, it's probably just because they don't consider this to be a mental health issue. They don't realize that they're addicted to crypto. So I think, you know, treating this stuff as gambling would yield a much greater public awareness of the risks to people's mental health that I don't think are very widely understood. Now, what about the people who say, well, I invest in crypto and I'm not addicted? I would tell them that's just a terrible argument, to be completely frank. I mean, there are people that drink alcohol that aren't alcoholics. I mean, by, just because there are people that aren't addicted to crypto doesn't mean that crypto addiction isn't a problem. Mm. I think that's a terrible argument. So it's not about banning crypto itself. It's just about making sure that there is a safety net yeah. for the growing numbers of people who are coming forward and saying, I do have a problem like the ones that you've been meeting exactly. yeah. in the past week. Now, I mean, playing devil's advocate here, there are people in the centre who are being treated for other forms of, of, of addiction to trading different things like could be stocks and shares it could be contracts for difference um, another very high risk yet regulated form of investment but the way that they're regulated the warnings that go out to investors at the moment because we don't know how to define or regulate crypto none of those rules apply whether it's a high risk investment or gambling um on on an app yeah and to be fair to the uh 
regulators here in the UK, uh, the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA, they have warned consumers repeatedly that if they were to invest in crypto assets, that they should be prepared to lose all their money. Quite literally, that's what they've said, lose all their money. Their capital is at risk and they're taking a financial risk, but their mental health is also at risk. And that part of the conversation, regardless of where we land on the debate about whether or not this stuff should be regulated as a traditional financial service or as gambling, that's a really vital piece of the conversation that just hasn't been had in any significant way yet. And what would you say, Scott, are the arguments for crypto being regulated by the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority? What would that mean for for crypto investors? Yeah, Uh, well, right now, the state of play as as it is, um, the FCA oversees crypto asset businesses from an AML perspective. That's an anti-money laundering perspective. Um, You know, in time, the government wants that to be expanded and for the FCA to have a much broader reach over crypto activity. And of course, you know, there are other risks that many would argue that the FCA is best placed to dealing with. And those are, you know, other than financial crime, but also financial stability risks. You know, if if those listening have followed crypto for the last 12 to 18 months, they've they've known that the market has really seen like some unprecedented yeah, crisis of confidence. Almost certainly would have lost money. Exactly. There's been um, many questions coming out of that market crash about um, company transparency, about conflicts of interest, um, about liquidity crises at different companies. How I mean, crypto is advertised. How crypto is advertised. So there's a whole bunch of regulatory challenges that the crypto industry presents that traditional financial regulators like the FCA are probably well-placed to deal with or or best-placed to deal with. Um, And then there's also a question of resourcing. So in the UK, if crypto were to be adopted as or or considered a form of gambling, it stands to reason that it would fall under the remit of the Gambling Commission, which is the staff size, as one simple metric, is much smaller than the FCA, as is its funding. So there's there's a practical concern here as well. Like, you know, whoever you put the crypto industry... Two and whatever regulator you know exercises authority over it needs to be like in terms of staffing well placed to deal with all those challenges. So there are many arguments for the FCA in the UK to take remit over crypto, but I would just emphasize again that there is a conversation to be had here about how it's not just people's capital that's at risk, but it is also their mental health, and that's something regardless of where this industry gets placed in terms of regulation that needs to be at the forefront of people's minds. So what you're saying, Scott, is in practice, the Gambling Commission just doesn't really have the capacity to take on the crypto industry. And even if it did start to regulate crypto, I'm sure that would help. But would it be enough to prevent people from getting addicted to trading? Yeah. One thing that also struck me while I was at Castle Craig is obviously betting is regulated as gambling, but I'm still sat in a group of gambling addicts. Mm. Regulation doesn't necessarily stop people from getting addicted. So I also put this question to Tony. Will it ever be enough? Will whatever the, the, the commission does, will it ever be enough? I very much doubt it. You know, for me, it's all about education. That's where we need to invest in, you know? Get education into schools and colleges and unis and big, big companies, you know? Let's get that education of where this can take them potentially. Yeah, so for me, coming back to that question, should it be regulated as gambling? Absolutely. Um, There's just so much to it. You know, it's not regulated at all. You're definitely gambling straight away if you're investing money on something that's not regulated. 
You know, there needs to be a warning, there needs to be education that this actually can kill people. You know, and I think it was 2017, 24 South Koreans jumped off um, the top of a building because they uh, lost all this money on crypto. <laughs> you know, people are dying. That's the reality here. People take their own lives because of this. There are three times as many people commit suicide through gambling addiction than any other addiction. And if this is a form of gambling, why would that be any different? Because that's how I see it, and that's how people explain it to me when they have crossed that line into the addiction. Would it be possible, Scott, to have crypto regulated as both gambling and overseen by the FCA? Yeah, I think the question about who the competent authority is for regulating crypto is is not the direct question here. Whether it's the FCA, whether it's the Gambling Commission, or another body altogether, the, the fact of the matter is there are all sorts of regulatory challenges that the crypto industry presents. Mm. Gambling addiction is not the only one. Um, so really the question is, you know, whether it's the FCA or another body, this stuff needs to be at the forefront of those regulators' minds as well. It's not just you know, the regulatory challenges that are posed by traditional financial services also present in crypto. It's that based on the stories from what we've heard at Castle Craig, there is a unique risk presented by crypto by virtue of the fact that it's a 24-7 market. It's an incredibly volatile market. It's very gamified. All of those factors mean that it presents a unique risk to people that are predisposed to addictive behavior. And that needs to be captured by any regulation that seeks to govern this industry and by any regulator that seeks to oversee it. Well said. Scott, did you ask the patients that you met in the therapy session what they thought about how crypto should be regulated? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, perhaps unsurprisingly, they, they, you know, in unison, effectively scoffed at the idea of Westminster trying to establish London as a hub for crypto innovation. They, they you know, they thought that that was, you know, not a very good road to go down. Um, they also, you know, were very firmly on the side of this stuff needs to be overseen as gambling, you know, many of the patients we've heard from some of them during the podcast said that they thought they were making a wise investment. And then with time, they came to feel that they they hadn't done that. Um, and I'll put one quote, um, which is what we ended our story with, which I thought was just really striking when I asked people what they thought about whether or not this should be gambling or not. Uh, and one of the patients at Castle Craig said, put gambling and crypto side by side. Put the two of them side by side, look at the repercussions of both of them, look at the severity of both of them and tell me they're not the same. That, I think, captures in a nutshell what the folks at Castle Craig thought. Well, thanks so much to Scott Cipollina, the FT's digital currencies correspondent, who brought this story to today's show. It's been a pleasure having you in the studio. Thanks, Claire. Um, and if I can just add, if any listeners want to find out more about the crypto industry and learn more about the FT's crypto reporting, they can subscribe to the FT Crypto Finance Newsletter, which I write every Friday. It goes out at one o'clock um, London time. Uh, the link for subscription will be available on the episode show notes. All right, so we're going to end in the usual manner, okay? So, and we just say the serenity prayer. We're not religious in any way, but we just say this, and it's a God of your own understanding. So God, oh God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. Well done, guys. Thank you. 
that's it for Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you did, spread the word and leave us a review. And as I said at the top of the show, if you're affected by any of the issues that we've discussed in this episode, there are links in the show notes today to all kinds of resources that you can turn to for help and support, plus a link to the story in the Financial Times written by Scott Cipollina and his colleague Oliver Barnes, all about their visit to Castle Craig. We're always looking to chat with people about their money ideas for the show, so if you're interested in being part of a future episode and are looking for some expert money advice, then email us money at ft.com. You could also take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money, grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper, or follow me on Instagram. I'm at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced in London by Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner, and our editor is Manuela Saragossa. You heard original tunes this week by Metaphor Music. And finally, our usual disclaimer, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's all the small print for now. See you back here next week. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.